Warning! This episode contains foul language and was recorded in front of a live audience. Happy Friday. Happy Friday in NoHo. Whoop, whoop. Beautiful, warm night. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Freezing cold night. For our listeners at home, there are about 1,000 people here tonight. It's a very, very full excited. theater. It's the biggest show we've ever done. See? Yes. Wow. Make a lot of hooting and hollering. Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. We are Keep It Weird Podcast. My name is Ashley. My name is Lauren. We are the producers of this show. And before we get started, I guess we'll talk about our show a little bit. We are a business, and we started in t- like late 2016, early 2017. Okay, yeah, which is crazy town. I know. What day? Is what it? time is it? Um, we started in 2016, and at the time, there were no female-run paranormal podcast. It was like it was a very male-driven. Male dominated market it was like lore last podcast on the left i mean mm-hmm. there was my favorite murder but that was yeah, more like true just crime-y, murder serial killer etc etc so we started the podcast with the idea that we would be more than just two people telling each other scary stories more than just two people reading wikipedia pages to each other we kind of wanted to have like deep research we wanted to interview people in the parapsychology world Mm -hmm. and we wanted to go on paranormal investigations which we which is the best part (laughs) for sure and it's fucking wild (laughs) insane i can't believe it um so when we say we wanted to take a deeper look at it what i mean by that is like when we talk about robots for example we're also talking about the past, present, and future of artificial intelligence and what it means to have a human consciousness and whether or not we can transplant consciousness into unconscious beings. Mm-hmm. Or when we're talking about ghosts, we're just not just talking about like, it's spooky. <laughs> we're also talking about multidimensional theories, mm-hmm. alternate timelines, whether we're in the matrix, we always call ourselves healthy skeptics because we yeah. don't just want to go in and say, it's here's a, a story about yeah. a house that's definitely haunted. 100%. It's like, what no, else could be going no on doubt about it. Yeah. at this location? We talk about each side, each theory that could possibly be out there. Exactly. And so today, when we talk about serial killers, we are also talking about psychology. Yes. So Taking today, a deeper dive. Yes. So today we are actually, we when My Worst Date asked us to open for them, first of all, we jumped at it because they are hilarious. Amazing. But also we were like, how can we incorporate dating into... <laughs> dating with murder and ghosts and... podcast. <laughs> because dating, as you know, is like super fun and not stressful Especially at all. online dating. I hear mm-hmm. it's just wonderful. Um, I, first of all, if you and your husband broke up, mm-hmm. 
Which would be like horrible timing for you. I'd have to be a single mother. <laughs> this would not be good. I would also, not I be excited about it. Also, I think he's here, so maybe don't answer Sorry, this question. <laughs> because here's the thing. Like, if Joe and I break up, I'm sealing it up. I know. I'm the same. I, so I don't want to date. I don't. I'm done. Hearing the stories of my single friends, it sounds like a nightmare out there. I'm like, going to be done. I'm going to head out. I'm living on my own in the woods. I think that's With the multiple answer. cats. Multiple cats and child i'll figure it out <laughs> we'll figure it we'll out figure it out um yeah and also like first of all i have a question what is bumble i don't know it's What's i don't bumble? know what it does i thought it was for friends no it's dating oh. for sure there's Just like kidding. bumble hinge yeah i don't know there's um, too many so we decided to look at women who have dated serial killers and i'm not talking about like women who have been married to a man who turns out to be a serial killer and she had no idea like sure Rhonda. okay yeah okay karen we don't buy it karen <laughs> whatever, whatever helps we get it denise sleep at night. Yeah. that would be like saying like i didn't know my roommate was a dj it's like <laughs> you he's definitely gone every friday and saturday night he comes home covered in glitter and he has huge headphones. and his room is always going <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so fine whatever helps you yes. live your life but we're talking about the women who like choose to date and or marry convicted serial murderers because a lot of them exist they do unfortunately unfortunately <laughs> um and actually rough. lauren you're gonna start us off with an example of one of these lovely ladies yes okay so there are several women out there who like to date and fall in love with serial killers and i can't believe it or really wrap my head around it i'm very I don't like normal people exactly so it's like come on how do you fall in love with this evil man i'm excited for ashley to jump into the psychology because i do think there is there's something going on that there's we are just not understanding but on. i happened to find a story that i'd never heard of before so i'm hoping you guys haven't heard of it either i found it fascinating but before i jump into it i wanted to do a shout out to like some of our faves those serial killers we like know and love we and, love them you know they're just cuddle bears yeah um <laughs> So Ted Bundy might have heard of him. He's pretty trendy right now. He Ted is, Bundy is uh, everywhere right now. He's on fleek, I think, is what kids on, say. Oh, is that what the kids say? I think I that think was 2015, so. but we can bring it back. All right. Ted Bundy, who raped and murdered more than 30 women, that we know of. There absolutely could have been more. He said there was one more number to that, and I don't know if that means 31 or if that means 130. Right. I totally agree. It's like, Go what do you mean by that? Okay. <laughs> He, first of all, he received a ton of fan mail from women. Yeah. Like, women were obsessed with Fucking him. Fucking wild. No, he was, like, kind of good looking and no. charming. I mean, he's no Zac Efron who's playing him. But still, pe females loved him. Um, and in 1980, while still on trial, Bundy married one of his admirers. Twice divorced mother of two, Miss Carol Ann Boone. Mm -hmm. They found love in a hopeless place. She had crazy in her eyes. She did. <laughs> Like, there's no Did doubt. You, see, you saw the documentary. Yes, 100%. And she she had the crazy eyes. Yeah, okay, yeah. go on. It was understandable. Um, Bundy was executed for his crimes in 1989, so, you know, short-lived little romance they After had there. he blamed pornography. It's fine. It's totally fine. Also, <laughs> also in 1989, our good friend Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night love Stalker. Him. We love him. 
he, teeth, though. His teeth were bad. That was real rough. But yet people enjoyed disaster. him. He was sentenced to death on charges that included 13 murders, five mm-hmm. attempted murders, and 11 sexual assaults. So just a winner. Um, but that did not steer away magazine editor Doreen Leoy from marrying him seven years later after he was sentenced because she said he was kind, funny, and charming. Just everything she was looking for. The whole package. Well, so okay. I just don't understand. It makes me really upset. Okay. So those are just, you know, some shout outs to our famous ones. But then I dug up the story. I'd never heard of either of these people. I'm talking about Oscar Ray Bolin Jr. is his name. He's from Florida because, of course. Of course he is. Of course. Why? Florida. Yeah. Where else would he be from? Oscar was a carnival worker and a truck driver from Tampa, Florida. <laughs> what? None of this is shocking no, so No, I know. Mike is this crazy. So we're going to catch up with Oscar in 1990. I'm not going to give you his whole background, but this is when things started to get a little wild. You gave us enough background. Yeah, that's it. Truck driver, carnival worker, Tampa, Florida. So in 1990, he was serving time in an Ohio prison for the rape and kidnapping, not murder, just rape and kidnapping, guys. Just this, of a 20-year-old woman in 1987. But if that wasn't enough, police during this time were given a tip that Bolin was also guilty of three separate rapes and murders that had happened in 1986, the year prior. Three young women were tortured and killed not very far from their homes and places of work in Florida, and their murders had been unsolved for four years until they got this tip. So the call came in from Bolin's ex-wife's new husband. So Cheryl Bolin, his ex-wife, told her new husband that Oscar had told her, I'm just like going on the whole gossip chain now, that he had murdered one of the girls in 1986. This is how I find out like everything that's going on in the world. Yeah. If you ask Joe, like I'm out on the balcony, like shut up. The neighbor, he said this to his girlfriend and I know, I know what's happening. He's like, could you come inside? It's 30 degrees. (laughs) Can you shut the door, please? So Cheryl had told her new husband that Oscar had talked about the murder of one of these girls in 1986. So her husband decided to call it in. He's like, I'm going to do the right thing. We have to call this in. To make matters worse for Bolin, his half-brother also decided to chime in and said that he had woken up in the night one evening in Tampa in 1986 and saw his brother beating a woman in a wrapped-up sheet with a wooden club. So not good. He said that. Like in the future, Later. yeah. Like he didn't tell anyone what that he night. At he the was trying to. What's happening? I'm not sure, okay. but he. <laughs> I have questions for him. I know he. I think he was trying to protect his brother, trying to be yeah. a good brother. But then okay. when he realized his brother's name was thrown into the mix, maybe guilt just got the best of him, and he's like, you know, I did see him. You know, I did see him beat this a woman in the backyard, wrapped in a sheet. So things weren't looking good for old Oscar Bolin. Okay. Okay. So Bolin was brought back from the Ohio prison to Florida in 1990 to be tried for 26 different slangs across the U.S. that people were pretty positive he was a part of. Unfortunately, he only ended up being connected to these three young girls that all happened in 1986 in Tampa. And he had to go through several years of trials because like stupid little processing errors kept happening. Every time the jury was like immediately unanimous like he's guilty he was found guilty every time but then they'd have to go back and say no this is overturned because this is this i might have missed this was he act was he was he committing these crimes as a carnival worker no he was this was during the truck driving times 
He'd Thank moved God. on. <laughs> I couldn't handle that. Yes. That would be like yeah, the carney. Be like John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Ooh, Part the two. clown. No. No, no, no. Okay, go on. Okay, so this is, you know, during the truck days. So he finally, after several retrials, after a few years, is found guilty and sentenced to death. He's put on death row. And in 1995, while on death row, he meets a woman named Rosalie Martinez. She was a Florida public defender and mother of four young girls, ages 6 to 14. And she was also married to a very prominent lawyer in the Florida area. They seem to have... You know, their lives all together, perfect little family, Mm -hmm. both successful lawyers. So she comes in to meet with Oscar Ray Bolin Jr. to hear his story and see if there's anything she can do to help with an appeal for him. After just a few times of meeting, these two fall madly in love. Madly, yeah. Madly, deeply. Rosalie saw something in this man and she left her husband, gave up custody of her four daughters. No. And decided You'd to be with to. Oscar. But like you're what? not going to get custody. No, of course not. But it's like <laughs> what did Oscar have? have it up. Why? He yeah. wasn't worth it? No. She also gave up her job at the public defender's office because her superiors accused her of having sex with Bolin when she would go to visit him in his cell. No one knows if this was they true did. or not. They for sure They did. had sex. They definitely did. But no one knew if it was true, but she was so mad at the accusation because she was like, me and Oscar, How something dare you real. Claim it's not about the I sex. That I fuck my boyfriend. I know. She was insulted. So she basically gave up her entire life. She was doing great, but she gave up everything to be with this damn fool. He, she believed he was innocent of the murders, even though he openly admitted to her about the kidnapping and the rape of the well, woman that he was in the Ohio prison for. That's not she murder. She was like, hey, it's okay that you did that, but you definitely didn't murder these girls at all. So she believed him, and she wanted to stay by his side and help fight for his innocence because okay. she believed it. So not even a year later, they met in 1995. In early 1996, they got married. So it was like quickie divorce with, I believe his name was Victor, her ex-husband, bye to the kids, Time to get married to this guy. I mean, Ted Bundy married that woman while he was on trial. Yeah, that's true. Like, on, like, literally in the courtroom, he brought her up for questioning and was like, Do you want to marry me? And she was like, Yeah. And he was like, Let's do this. Because I guess there's like, there's some sort of law that, like, if you do that in front of a judge or in a courtroom or some shit, you're like legally married. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, gosh, that's such a disaster. So these two got married over the phone, which is fun. Romantic. It's so romantic. Oh, Rosalie Lord. was in her apartment standing next to a picture of Oscar. I just, I'm, I have to laugh. Like, what? What is going on? Okay. Um, she had the Justice of the Peace next to her, uh, the picture of Oscar, and Oscar's on speakerphone in his cell in death row, and they get married. 2020 actually recorded the wedding, so like, Please go that home sounds, and Google yeah, it. It's that sounds real less fun to watch. legal than getting married while you're on trial. I agree. That like, sounds what is less this? like a thing. She was wearing a wedding dress. It's a whole thing. You can go see video footage of this. Okay. So I encourage you all to go do it because it's real special. Or don't. Or never look at it because it's it awful. Sounds boring. Um, so Rosalie, they got married. Great. Said their vows. They were, you know, happy as can be. 
Rosalie drove every week, twice a week, to see her beloved husband, and Oscar wrote her letters every single day. That is actually she held on to. None of their visits were of a conjugal nature. They never consummated the marriage, which I thought was interesting. I don't know. That's what they say. Okay. Rosalie said the lovemaking was in the letters that Oscar wrote her. She was quoted as saying his words were enough. That's how I do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't need anything physical. Give me your words. That's it. That's all I need. So she has said that even though he never takes out the garbage or changes the oil in her car, or be there for her physically, he puts her on the emotional pedestal that she needs. He always listens, and he always puts her first. He's everything she had ever wanted. She became a private investigator and mitigation specialist while they were together, and she fought for over a decade for her love to be proven innocent because she truly believed he was a good man deep down. But unfortunately for these two lovebirds, 30 years after the murders had happened and 20 years after they met... He was finally put to death January 2016 by lethal injection. He's no longer with us. What's she doing? She, that's the thing. This is what drives me crazy. I Googled for like two and a half hours. You cannot find what she's doing now. I need to call her up. Um, I cannot find what she's doing now. I think she's still alive. I didn't find any obituaries. So she's still wandering around, maybe helping other people with their weird death row things. But one thing I found was interesting. This is while Bolin was still alive, but this was an interesting side note I found on her while I was researching. She was also on Casey Anthony's defense team. So I'm just so it sounds not like into this lady. They were meant to be. Yep. She's they a deserve treasure. each other. She's Great. a real treasure. That's fine. Yep. So that's just one of the crazies out there that decided to fall in love with. You know what? That actually sets up my um, psychology portion really well because the the thing about so this wasn't studied until the seventies or eighties when we had Richard Ramirez, when we had Ted Bundy, when we had Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, one serial killers weren't a thing yet. Like we didn't have a name for them. We didn't yeah. know that they existed. We didn't know what their m- modus operandi was, mm-hmm. and we didn't know how the public would react to something like that. So after, especially those three men had all of their ladies, you know, flocking to them. Yeah. They literally had hundreds, thousands of women, flock- right, who women, wanted to be with them. Women flocking to them. They had adored them right and initially it was theorized that these women were it was basically like a form of like fanaticism Mm -hmm. like these women saw these men as like basically like just that could do no wrong like they saw them as like adam levine like couldn't do anything wrong (laughs) even though they sucked and there was no redeeming qualities <laughs> to them whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, so they were they were seeing these women were it was theorized that they were basically like unwanted women or, um, you know, like unable to find love mm-hmm. in like real ways. So they had um, to resort yeah. to this. Yeah. But as like. With her and many of these women, they're beautiful women, they're intelligent women, they're mm-hmm. educated women, and some of them even have families right. and husbands that they leave to pursue relationships oh. with these convicted 
murderers. So that doesn't yeah, pan you out. You can't even blame it on them. No. Yeah. So these aren't just like random unwanted women. Yeah. They're like working women. Right. So and they're still choosing this. And they're still choosing this. So <sighs> I wanted to look into like what are the theories as to why a person men do this too, but it's very, very rare. Mm-hmm. It's mostly women that flock to them. And there's several theories and I'll I'll kind of ra- I'll go from like the ones I, I least buy into to the one I most buy into. Okay, okay. I guess the one I least buy into is like that they think they're innocent. Mm-hmm. And you can the thing is, is like these men are very manipulative. Like they are, they can talk their way out of things. Oh, 100%. A lot of them have had several run-ins with the police mm-hmm. prior to being convicted for murder that they were able to get out of. Yeah. So they're very manipulative. They can talk they their, can way, talk out their way out of things. Anything. They can talk their way. They're usually like a con man. into things. So like to be able to convince these women that they're innocent, that's not a stretch. Mm-hmm. But I, the thing is, is like that doesn't get them to the prison to meet them. Right. Like that doesn't get them to like show up at the prison. Like, yeah, they could talk them into that once they know them and once they talk to them. But like that doesn't get them to send in letters and like to show up. So another one and this one, this might ruffle some feathers for the ladies (laughs) in the audience tonight. And I'm so sorry. (laughs) But another theory is that. It's just in our DNA as women. Oh, I already know what you're going to say. I know. I know. I'm so sorry, but here's the thing. Yes, I can fix him. There's two sides to this coin. And and like (laughs) we all have. Yeah, we've been there. There's two sides to it. And well, I'll try and explain it later. But just bear with me because it gets a little our nurturing genes, like the fact that we want to care for something, the mm. fact that we're very empathetic. And these women, especially with Jeffrey Dahmer, that's a good example for this. Jeffrey Dahmer was not seen as this like sadistic rapist and murderer. He yeah. was kind of seen as like a little boy mm-hmm. who needed to be taken care of. Right. And like the fact that he killed his victims and ate his victims because he wanted them to be a part with of him, him forever, forever. It's like, Oh, still gross. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> His intentions That's were so, so good. <laughs> but then on the other side of that coin is the like bad boy thing. Mm-hmm. And the bad boy, like women who love bad boys, that actually comes from like our prehistoric times. That comes from like our closest relative, like primates. That comes from like the animal kingdom and from when we were cave dwellers. Uh You know what I mean? Like we had to choose the strongest male. We had to choose maybe even the craziest male Mm -hmm. in order for our survival. And that kind of shit continues on, carried on in our DNA. Yeah. And like today, women don't need the strongest dude. Mm-hmm. We need financial stability. We need right. intellect. We need like someone who takes care of us in other ways. Right. But there still might be a part of our DNA that draws us to the strongest male. 100%. Yeah. The biggest protector. Mm-hmm. And for anyone that's like, bullshit, like I'm in control of my cells, you're not. 
Um, <laughs> you want to be. We all want to be. Sure. But I, I was thinking of like uh, on one of me and Amy's minisodes recently, we talked about laughter. If you think about laughter, laughter is a group affair. Think about if you're like at home watching a comedy, you're not laughing out loud, but if one other person is there with you, you're both laughing. That's because laughter predates language. Laughter was around before we even had the words to talk to each other. And mm-hmm. laughter was basically a way of saying like, <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm not dangerous. Right. Everything, everything's fine because I'm smiling <laughs> and I'm laughing. And like that is something we still do. Laughter is like, look at like Spock. Mm-hmm. Spock does not laugh. Right. Spock, d- Spock no does emotion. not feel. Right. Because he doesn't have to because he's evolved to the point where like that doesn't matter anymore. Yes. Which eventually we'll get there hopefully um <laughs> just void of all emotion. just void of all emotion we don't it's need it. useless we don't so need anyways it. like that kind of stuff like lasts through generations and generations and generations so it's not crazy to think that we still have that i have to marry this or i have to mate with the strongest male right but it's still kind of like uncomfortable to think about it is and i hate saying that like that us as women want to like fix a guy and we're gonna be the reason he changes yeah men do it too so it's not fair to say they want to to protect they Mm -hmm. want to um you know they want to serve their community they want to you know spread their seed or whatever the fuck that's all in your dna it just we're animals it's fine meant to be so another thing would be the risk factor so think of like think of like the top five fantasies, sexual fantasies of women. It's like having sex in a place you shouldn't, mm-hmm. like public, having sex with someone you shouldn't, like your brother-in-law, having sex that is dangerous in like a physical sense, like rape fantasies, okay, um, like, choking, what? What? bondage. Yes. There you go. That's like top five <laughs> sexual female fantasies. It just is. So if you look at it that way, serial killers are the most dangerous person you can have sex with. True. They are, you're having sex with them in the most dangerous place, prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, and, it sounds like an awful place. Yeah, so the, the risk factor, the only reason I don't buy that though is that like, that makes sense of why you'd want to fuck a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Does not make sense of why you'd want to marry or marry date and a only killer. write letters like Rosalie. Only letters. Yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah. So, what I think, and I want to ask you: Do you know anything about her before she was his public defender? Like her, like life as a child. Um, no, I didn't look into her childhood very much, okay. which, yeah, again, she's very difficult to look up on the internet. Yeah, I tried, I mean, but, yeah. Yes. So, but it seems like her adult life was very normal. She right. didn't stray at all. So that's And she was married. She had four kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the theory that I actually gravitate towards the most is, is cycles of abuse. Mm-hmm. And when you look into the past of these women that date and marry serial killers, you will oftentimes find abusive situations whether it's sexual or physical or emotional and whether it's spousal or parental that doesn't matter there is some sort of abuse in their past Mm -hmm. and for women who have suffered from abuse men in prison incarcerated men 
are ideal boyfriends. And I know that sounds crazy, but if you think about it, these women who have been abused, they have a partner Mm -hmm. that they can have all of the emotional connection with that are completely locked away and they are safe from. Yeah, that's very true. But not only that, they have all of the power in the relationship. Right. They can visit when they want to. Mm-hmm. They can answer the phone when they want to. They can come and go as they please. They, if For the first time, they are like holding the power in this relationship. And they're dating someone who is super dangerous and no right. one will fuck with. And there's a glass wall in between them. Yeah. So they're always a little bit protected. So it's literally the ideal situation for if a woman feel safe. who has suffered from abuse to date a man who is in prison that makes so much sense so i think that's actually why these women are attracted to and date see i do i buy into murderers. that the most 100 that makes the most sense the other ones i truly can't uh, understand i mean it's <laughs> fine i mean you know the dna thing kind of just like wanting yeah. to be you like can the rationalize most everything man. a little bit yeah. but yeah but that makes a lot of sense yeah that's so interesting thanks <laughs> science i did a lot of reading <laughs> see it's always good to have the research because i yeah i just read these stories and automatically think these women are batshit crazy like i have no sympathy for them but i like being able to actually try and connect i think they're actually very intelligent because they are making these decisions that are benefiting them right i get it save yourself anyways (laughs) we're keep it weird (laughs) <laughs> this was Keep It Weird, the uh, podcast, the for, podcast all things, for all things strange, strange unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and, and everything in between. <laughs> um, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Keep It Weirdcast. Um, and uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us tonight. Get ready for my worst date. They are so funny and you're going to have so much fun. Yay. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.